Welcome to the Dirty Love Podcast. I'm your host, Bettina Khan. So here's how this podcast works. I invite a friend over for tea, we sit at my kitchen table, and we have a raw, unscripted conversation about love. It might be about heartbreak, divorce, money, sex, mental health. We are airing our dirty laundry. We're talking about the things that we're not supposed to say in public. We're getting vulnerable. Our hope is that others will do the same. We are in the pursuit of unwavering, deep self-love. We know this to be the basis of any healthy relationship. And we know that the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. Join us for each episode where we delve into these stories, we tell the truth, and we find emancipation. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Do you want to start by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Brittany Tiplady. I'm the co-editor and co-founder of Loose Lips Magazine, which is an all-female focused uh, feminist publication in Vancouver. Cool. So you're getting married next September. Yep. September 17th. Tell me about that. Oh, it's good. It's planning a wedding. I'm really trying to make the wedding planning process about the marriage and not so much about the budget and the things and the vendors and the stress. Um, and so that's been a huge focus is to like work on me and work on myself so I can show up for my marriage. Yeah. Um, so that's part's been good. It's been a lot of like good, deep soul searching to arrive at the point of marriage feeling good. Um, and then there's all the other nitty gritty things on the side that make it a little bit stressful, but all the things. Yes. What I love is you've never attended a wedding. I've been to one wedding. It was my uncle. Well, I've been to one real wedding. It's my uncle's when I was 12. So I don't really remember. And then a friend of mine from high school got married. Like it was like a camping style beach wedding in Oregon last summer. So I've never been to like the traditional real wedding. Right. So I have no background or I have no friends to like really consult. Like I am so blinded. Um, My parents got married like 30 years ago. They don't remember. So (laughs) kind of flying solo. What's that like? It's scary. I'm constantly wondering if I'm doing this right is this how it's supposed to go? Is the day of I'm going to forget something? Like, <laughs> I'm a very organized, a little bit of a premeditated person. Um, I wouldn't say spontaneity is my strongest suit. So to be completely blinded in such a major life event is a little bit frightening. Um, but it also means that I get to do it my way. Right. Which I love. I think that's so important because I think there's such a prescribed way of doing your wedding and mm-hmm. it's so nice that you can create it from nothing. Absolutely. Like I don't have that like vision of, or needing to compare to anyone else's weddings. Like it's completely my own, which is great. So that all said, you still are getting pressure. Still getting pressure, still getting unsolicited advice. And you're like, fuck off. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. It's like, it's almost as bad as someone telling me how I should lose weight. Oh. You know? Or like how I should do my hair or how I should dress. It's like, don't tell me how to do my major life event unless I ask someone like you, how should I do my major life event? Mm -hmm. So what what kinds of things are they unsolicitedly sharing or suggesting? I had one situation with a dear friend whom I love. Um, I really wanted a dress with sleeves. That was my thing. And I ended up not buying a dress to sleeves, but that was with my own, at my own judgment. Um, 
And so she kept on being like, no, don't get a dress with sleeves. That's so conservative. You should get a sexy dress. And I'm like, I can get a sexy fucking dress with sleeves. I feel sexy with sleeves. Yeah, don't tell me, like, how I should or shouldn't buy my dress. That was one huge thing for me. What's that about? I don't know. Like, I don't know why. I think people, I think it comes from a place of love and wanting you to have the best day. I don't think I've ever had advice that came from a negative or malicious place, but I just think that the etiquette of giving advice um, needs to be worked on. What's the best way to give a bride advice? I would say, what were you thinking about? Or what were you thinking would work for you? Oh, I saw this that I that was totally reminded me of you or totally would work for your wedding or um, really was your style. Can I show you? Right. So more suggestive. And- more suggestive and more coming from a place of being like, I know that you would love this because I know you so well. Right. And tell me about your relationship with your man. Um, I love him. He's the best. <laughs> we have a very, I would say we have a real raw, like intense love relationship. I've been in a lot of them and I've been in a lot of serious relationships and there's been nothing like this one. Um, I knew that I was going to marry him from like the first month that we were together. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We have, and we've been through a lot together. We've come from a lot of dark places. Um, and there's nothing that matters more to us than our happiness as a couple and our happiness as individuals. And we're always striving for that. So that's huge in our relationship is the selflessness. That's amazing. And like Mm -hmm. a really strong team. Real. We are team teammates. Like that is our thing. That's so great. And that must be so helpful with this wedding planning. It is. It really is. Um, He's really arrived at it for me. And because my best friends are international and aren't here, I don't have that like maid of honor, like bridesmaid, like help or influence. And so him and my mom have really stepped up to the plate to like be those people for me. So you have this amazing relationship with your partner and you also have this amazing relationship with your parents yeah and they have an epic story yes they do yeah I'm very close to my mom um which was not always the case and we've worked really hard at our relationship good for you but getting into my mid-20s like we just get closer and closer and I could not do life without my mom which in my teens and my early 20s I could do life without her but I couldn't now yeah my parents have an epic love story they've been together since they were 16 They got married at 21, had me at 24. They still cuddle and kiss on the couch, and they're obsessed with each other. Like, my dad used to come home on his lunch breaks from work to have nooners with my mom. Like, like that. those are my parents. And and they were really open about that. They were super open, and for my parents, they always made time for mom and dad. That was their thing. And they had two very busy children. I grew up competitive dancing and acting, and my brother was in hockey, and, like, we were those families with, like, the big calendar with all the appointments, but even despite that, they made time for their marriage and they made time for their love. And like when my dad came home from work, he would go into the bedroom and that was mom and dad time to catch up on their day and do whatever they did in there. They had a no kids in the bed policy and that was to keep, I'm assuming their sex life and their love alive. And that's something that I have really taken to heart because I saw them have a busy life and my mom went through a lot with anxiety and depression and my dad has um a chronic stomach disease and like that could have gone to the wayside and their health gone to the wayside if they hadn't taken time for their marriage to do those things they did in the bedroom you know right 
It's like a, a level of intimacy that you were witnessing growing up. I really witnessed what marriage is. So what is marriage? What, what did you learn from your parents? I learned about intimacy. I learned about commitment when shit gets real hard. And I learned that like about love, like my parents are so loving. My dad is the most loving and adoring husband. Um, and my mom in return as well. And I really, like, I think, I hate that term, like, you marry your father, because that's just weird, but I really, I really, like, see a lot, like, I really took what my dad had to offer as a husband, and, like, unbeknownst, like, was seeking that in someone else. Well, I think there's a level of wanting that for yourself when you see it so beautifully created with your family and with your mom. Yeah. And especially because you had such a positive role model for marriage. Yeah. Like my dad is like the most epic husband and father. And while there's some things in their marriage that I would do differently, of course, because it's not always going to be an example of what you would do. Most of it is like a, a great example for Ryan as well. And like even little things like my mom, my dad has a stomach disease. My mom would research to the death how she can get him better. And like, found out about being gluten-free, helping his stomach and being paleo and all of that. And like, we'll cook for my dad night and day gluten-free so he can be healthy. Let's come back to intimacy. So how have you defined intimacy based on what you've experienced growing up and witnessing your parents' successful and positive Mm. marriage? And then, so how do you define that? And then how do you create that, your own version? Yeah. With your partner? Yeah. Um, for me, intimacy is very physical and going back to how I grew up, I always saw my dad kiss my mom. Hello, pat her on the bum, tell her she looks gorgeous, you know, give her little sexy compliments, even in front of the kids. And she'd be like, Oh honey, we're in front of the kids, but she'd be laughing because she loved it. And I saw that, like, I never grew up finding it weird to see my parents kiss in front of me. And I'm that way. Like, I'm very physically affectionate because that's how I show love in one side of myself. One thing that I've taken differently from my parents is definitely how we speak to each other. I don't like to have that level of hierarchy in our relationship. Intimacy also means respecting each other's core values, respecting each other in conversation, being able to have intimate conversations and being, you know, at one with each other and giving the other a moment to speak. And that's huge for me. And that you've successfully created that. Yeah. I mean, we work at it all the time. And like, I think Ryan and I are both very high strung people and we always have to keep each other in check of being like, no, this is my time to say this. Mm -hmm. Don't mansplain me. (laughs) Do not. Do not mansplain me. (laughs) Ever. This is, that's my new thing. I always say like, I know how to, I don't know, something really simple. I know how to cook fucking pasta. Don't mansplain me. (laughs) I got this. I got this, please. His, his level of, what I joke around with as mansplaining is coming. He always needs to nurture. Mm. He needs to take care of me. He needs to like make sure that I'm okay. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, I got this. You're a very independent woman. Very independent, fiercely independent. And so how did you find a balance with that being such an independent woman and having a partner who's Mm. wanting to nurture? It has been probably the most interesting journey in our relationship because in every other relationship, I was always the person that cared for. And now being cared for myself is huge. Like I, at first, our first few months, I would not let him pay for a meal for me Mm. because I always paid for the meal. I like 
I would not go on a date with him unless I knew that I could afford that meal and that drink for myself. That was huge. But I've, I learned, and every now and then he'd be like, you know that I am capable of paying for this meal. And I'd be like, nope, I'm a broke student. Sorry, I can't go out for dinner tonight. That was my rule. But slowly being able to like fall back into the bed of being taken care of and being nurtured has been really rewarding, especially when I'm trying to start a business and I'm working a job that I make way less money than he does and allowing me to be like, okay, you know what? He can get it. How did you teach yourself to surrender? I taught myself that I'm not weak if I'm taken care of. If I'm being nurtured, if I'm being helped, I'm not weak. And did that allow for a greater partnership? Yeah. Yeah, it allowed for some balance. It allowed for a little bit of comfort and a little bit of more softness in the relationship where I didn't have to be so aggressive about, I'm an independent woman and I could pay for this bill and I supported myself through school and, you know, I, I could let myself, like I said, fall back into these cushions and just relax into the softness of being nurtured. What was the turning point? I think when I lost my job last summer and he uh, works up north or was working up north making that kind of money as you do and I like couldn't pay for shit like I was so broke and I was trying to start this business and like I was just not feeling good about myself because I couldn't you know buy groceries I couldn't buy this outfit that I really wanted to wear for this meeting and he was like let me take care of you this is why I'm doing this is to help us let me take care of you. Did you resist that at first? At first I did. I felt shitty. I felt like ashamed. I felt, you know, I am like less of because I can't financially take care of myself right now. And I would overcompensate by being like, okay, I'm going to cook all these meals when you get home. And I'm going to have, you know, all this alcohol ready. And I'm going to wax my vagina for when you come home. <laughs> be, be, be perfect. I'll just be totally perfect. I'll just be perfect when you get home. And then I would overdo it and overcompensate for the my financial lacking. And that took a whole summer last summer to really, you know, relax. Yeah. So you, we talked a little bit about your parents' marriage Mm -hmm. and then your relationship. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself, do do you feel like you're seeking that kind of partnership or do you feel like it's just inherently in you and in your relationship that you've, you've created your own version? This is really interesting because when I was younger, and I've always had a lot of boyfriends, like I've had a lot of relationship experience, and they were always really shitty. And my mom would say, you need to find someone like your father. Look at how your father treats me. And I'd be like, mom, there is literally no one in the world like dad. Like, I'm sorry, that's an unreal expectation. Like, it doesn't exist. Love like that doesn't exist. And I, and I really think it's because I didn't believe that I deserved that kind of love, and I didn't deserve that kind of, like, eternal happiness and commitment. I think that I was inherently looking for those qualities in him or in a man. And I feel like part of my relationship mirrors what I have or what my parents have. And part of it is my own and what I've created and what I wanted for myself. How did you, you're you're such a woman of principle. So how did you become so clear? Because you're clearly creating Mm -hmm. your relationship. And and there's an interesting concept because... Creating your relationship looks like knowing what you want. Yeah. um, And not being uncompromising like you're so rigidly attached to something. Yeah. But it's this deep commitment to like my life and what I desire 
and what I expect from a partner and what I'll co-create with this partner looks like this. How did you come to that? You know what? I, I think in the trial of being with a lot of shitty dudes and being like, well, not going to do that again, or I'm definitely not going to look for a man who does that or wants this. That kind of created like this dictionary for me of like what I do not want. What are some of those things? Mm, Self, like men who are very selfish. I can't, which I feel like when you're younger, all guys are selfish, but like selfish men, I cannot handle. Um, Too much of an ego, I cannot handle. Um, No sense of how to nurture. Ryan is like a born father, born husband. Mm -hmm. Like that was huge for me, which I didn't know that I wanted that or what that quality even would look like in someone else other than my dad until I met him. So I think trial and error, being with the wrong people, seeing what you don't want in life, and then meeting the right person and learning about what that could be like. This is interesting because I think a lot of women or a lot of people get put off. They're like, forget it. I'm never going to find the right guy mm-hmm. or the right girl. Um, like you said, it does not exist. Yeah. And not actually committed to saying, I'm creating this in my life. Yeah. So was there a point for you where you were like, I'm ready, or did you make a choice yeah. that you felt a shift, like, I'm ready to attract this kind of partner? Yeah, I think that partly I've always been this insane romantic. I'm a writer, and I'm a poet, and we just have that bread inside of us that I just wanted this intense, passionate love, but I didn't know what that would really look like for me. And I think also when you're aging and you're changing, that looks a little bit different. Um, I think I went traveling for a long time. That opened up a big vessel in myself of what I knew what I was worth. Um, I think going through the motions of trauma in relationships and heartbreak in relationships opened up more vessels in me. Um, and I think when I arrived at the point of knowing what I was worth and what someone worthy would look like for me was when this like magical person walked in the door. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, the concept of self-love is so central yeah. to love borrow. Yeah. And it can be one that some people are like, Sure. That's yes. Nice. Yeah. Like I love myself. Great. Like Stuart Smiley in the mirror. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I have a lot of other, you know, shit to deal with and things that I don't think I'm a hundred percent at self-actualization with self-love, but I will say that I know I'm a damn good partner and I'm like pretty confident in that. And I won't, would never want to subject myself to someone who thinks less of that. How does your practice of developing self-love show up in day-to-day life for you? Like if someone's sitting there being like, I don't even know what that means. I don't even have access to that. I felt these shitty boyfriends. Yeah. You need to, you got to be real with yourself. You got to be real with where you are in your life. I make, you know, I love self-deprecating jokes because I'm just like a funny person like that. But you got to be real. You got to know, like I have troubles with my body image. And I am an action person. Like when I have a problem, I action it to fix it. So what did I do? I did a 30-day Legree challenge. I did a full nutritional um, overhaul and for my body. I started going to therapy. What can I do to make myself a better me to show up better for my marriage? And I think for someone who's not feeling good about themselves, you got to figure out what about yourself are you not liking and how can I action to fix that? And it's not going to be overnight. It's going to be maybe even a lifelong journey. But like if you are working on it, then like... That's all you can do. The progress is where the positivity breeds, I think. Oh, 100%. And like for, okay, my therapist suggested get the phones out of the room. 
phones out of the bedroom because Ryan and I are internet people. We roll over. How many likes did I get on Instagram last night? Like, no. Where is the sex in that? Where is the love in that? Where is even just the conversation in that? So phones out of the bedroom. I bought an alarm clock radio, went back to 1999, and it's great. I wake up feeling better. I'm not comparing myself to people on the internet right before I go to sleep. Like, world of difference in my sleep patterns and how I wake up, like, without a headache and feeling just healthier and better. And it's been, that was an action. That was a quick fix that I could take. And it's so simple. So simple. I don't need to look at Kylie Jenner's Snapchat before I go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Just dream of her all night. My eyebrows, my eyebrows. Well, it's interesting because I think this journey to self-love can sound so daunting and like, how do you even approach it? Yeah, it's hard. I think I, you gotta, you gotta look at yourself and be like, what don't I like? So I knew that was a great partner. I knew that I have a really amazing work ethic, but I didn't like how I looked in the mirror and I didn't like how everything came back to me comparing myself to everyone else. So what can I do to change that? And like even just this last month where I did that whole thing for or with Legree um, for Loose Lips in the month of November, even though technically like they were having me to do that for an article, that whole month changed everything for me. Like I feel sexier. I put on laundry for the first time in my relationship for our anniversary and I felt amazing about it. Wow. So it's identifying what about yourself that you're not loving and how you can work to fix that. I love that because it, you putting on the laundry actually has nothing to do with him. No, it had nothing to do with him. I was feeling myself. <laughs> yes. And that was amazing for me. I've never, ever felt like that. Wow. Yeah, huge. Wow. And then tell me about the nutritional steps you've taken that are mm. transforming your life. Yeah, so I like... I like to joke about like how I love pizza and beer and gluten and whatever, but really like, and I, I like to enjoy when I'm going to go out on a date or I'm going to go out for dinner or drinks. Like I like to be present and I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, I can't eat this and I'm going to diet. Like I want to be there to live and eat and enjoy. So I never scaled back on my diet and what I was eating because if I was hungry, I was just going to fucking eat what I wanted to eat. But my stomach health was really poor, which doesn't make you feel sexy. Um... Obviously now at, when you are in your 20s, like you can't eat whatever you want to eat anymore because it sits on you different. And I have such an insane schedule that I always don't have time to work out as much as I would like. So um, this amazing nutritionist nourished by Alyssa, she had an hour-long phone conversation with me about what my food habits are, what my food relationship is. Um, and she put together a meal plan for me. And cutting out gluten in my diet has been a life changer. Really? Yeah life changer. And I don't have to be dairy free, but scaling back on dairy has been great. Scaling back on, um, yeah, mainly just, mainly just gluten has changed everything for me. I no longer have the bumpy arms. My belly bloat is gone. Like I'm a regular person with my stomach health and that changed my confidence a lot Hmm. when I can like do up jeans that I couldn't do six months ago. Wow. And your wedding dress. And my wedding dress, like my wedding dress, sh- zipper, no problem. So it really, you know, I, I talk about the concept and it's so cliche, but putting on your own oxygen mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When people are in a relationship and they want it to look differently or they want to show up differently and they don't know how and they're facing all, you know, maybe some issues or fighting or whatever and they don't know how to change that. It really comes back to just 
you got to take care. You got to do you. You got to do you. Yeah. And anyone and everyone can tell you how to be healthy and how to live your life, but you got to figure out for you what works. So like I, I put on my own oxygen mask and was like, this is what I need to do to make myself feel better. You got to commit to that. And so did you see that with your parents, like coming back to your parents, did you see them really, their self-care really high? This is, this is a great point because no, Mm. I didn't see my parents take care of themselves um, as a child, like when I was in the home. Um, They were too busy. Like they made time for their marriage, yes, but they didn't make time for themselves as individuals. And it was either the marriage or the kids, but it was no time for them. Um, And my mom is like the most prime example of this because she suffers really badly from horrible anxiety, which led to like a crippling depression. Um... And that stemmed a lot from when my brother was born. Her hormones got all out of whack and it just kind of carried forward from there. And she was a stay-at-home mom and was run pretty ragged. And my dad worked his ass off and we didn't have a lot of money. And my brother and I drained a lot of that non-money. And by the time I was in grade 12, my mom was like debilitated. And I went traveling for a long time. And while I was gone, she like turned her life around with... No medication, just yoga, meditation, running, and is like a compl- like I love my mom. She is like the most fun, youthful, like gorgeous human being, and she took control of her life and learned what self care is, and is like the spokesperson for that for me. Like she, if if my mom can do it, anyone can do it. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it, it honestly is like an incredible success story of how she took control of her life and was like, no more. What and how does that reflect with your journey for self-care? It's huge because whenever I think to myself, I don't have time, I can't do that. You know, it's not for me right now. I think about her, about how my mom couldn't go to any kind of venue or couldn't go to any kind of gathering. And like, we went to like four concerts last year, like my mom being in Rogers arena, that is insane. Like, or, you know, she had a really hard time even going to like my last dance show. And now she comes to watch all my, I teach ballet. She comes to all my little students shows and like being able to experience life with her and like be best friends with her. And, um, know that like, if she could make the time to take care of herself at that late of an age, like she started at 40, what, what, what is my excuse? It's amazing. So inspirational. Yeah. How important do you think having parents with a successful marriage is on creating your own marriage? It's, it's funny because I have, for me, that's a huge part of, of why I think that I'm, I am the way I am. I'm so hell-bent on love and true love and marriage. And like, that's just such a core value importance for me. Um, but then I've also seen Ryan who's come from a completely different like family background and how love and marriage is still so important to him. And so I don't, I think it's just different for different people. Like he has no example of that, um, and had a very different upbringing than I do, do and did. And he is still like born to be a dad, born to be a husband. Like, I think for me, I think it's a huge influence, but I don't think for everyone it is. Mm-hmm. It's a personal choice. It's a huge, like, it's a huge um, dichotomy in our relationship. Does that have an impact? Yes and no, because I think that in some ways, like, it allows us to build our own relationship for sure, because we've both come from such different backgrounds. Now we can see what works for us. But in some things, I'm like, 
because <laughs> we were raised so differently. I'll be like, we're not having kids in the bed. And he's like, oh, what? No, no kids in the bed. Like, that's mom and dad time. That's how I was raised. Or I'm like, we're not going to have our teenage daughter having her boyfriend sleep over. And he's like, we're not. I always had my girlfriend sleep over. I'm like, whoa, hold the phone. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. Or like teen drinking. I'm like, we're not going to allow, we're not going to buy alcohol for our kids. He's like, we're not. Ah! So <laughs> things like that, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think, especially when we become parents, right. because we grew up so differently. And then I think, and that can be, you know, even if both of you had like the Brady Bunch version of families. It's still going to be different. The totally. conversations, and like his parents are lovely, but we just grew up in very different households and very different family backgrounds. Do you think he's really good at his self-care and putting his oxygen mask on? No. 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 That is that is probably our biggest challenge. Um, actually, that's probably our biggest challenge right at this moment is that I'm like stepping up and arriving and making, trying to better myself so that I can be the best wife that I can be. And um, he has a really hard time with that. He puts all his energy into taking care of me and forgets about him. And um, I really, that's a huge thing for me. I really need him to start caring for him. What does that look like? I really want to him to find what he's passionate about. I want to find him to find what gets him up in the morning besides our family. Um, because I have that. Like for me, my magazine, my ballet students, like m- my career is like, you know, that's, th- that's what I thrive on is that like, dream of waking up and having my own magazine and news buzzing and like interviewing all these badass feminist women that's like part of my identity and I really want him to find that fire for himself why is that important for you being a passionate person is important to me um and not that he's not but being passionate about your own individual things is important to me and being able to like when someone asks what you do for a living feeling really proud to say that feeling like you own that so it's really his path of that self-discovery that you've been on and yeah. like really have been on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I've really discovered what makes me get up in the morning besides being a wife and besides, you know, being a partner and a future mother and whatever. Like I found it and I know what it's like to not be there. And you just feel like you're walking in this world of like, I don't know where I belong and where I should be. And I really want him to get to that point where it's like, this is my thing. I think a lot of couples struggle with this, um, having a partner who's so sure and certain with what, yeah. what they're up to and what they're passionate about, and then having a partner that's a little lost. Yeah. How are you navigating that? Because I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> I like to take control. I like to be in the like I like to be in the driver's seat of my life at all times, which is good and bad. Um, and so I'm like less research less research schools. Let's research, like, what careers could make you feel whole. We've always dreamed about opening up a restaurant together. Let's revisit that idea. Let's talk about budgets. Let's talk about how we can get money. I like to sit down and have these epic conversations. Um, I like to action things, so that's huge for me. Sometimes I need to back off a little bit, let him do that self-discovery. Um, and that's where I'm learning for myself as well, to be like, he needs to figure this out on his own. So it's stepping in when you you think it would be beneficial to have your guidance and your support as his partner, mm-hmm. but also holding space. Yeah. I need to work on holding space. It's the devil and angel on my shoulder being like, 
hammer him to figure it out. <laughs> and then the, the angel being like, let him do this on his own. And that can probably be hard because you can see, you can like quote unquote see the yeah. obvious step or the right thing to do. Yeah. And it's really up to I him. I know how I would take control of the situation, but I'm not him. Right. He's got to discover that for himself. And I, he sees how much I work and how much I do in a day. Like I wear 47 different hats in a day and sees like my passion and he's not only very proud of me about it and very like he's my greatest supporter and my greatest cheerleader, but also a little bit of like, I want that. Why the fuck do I, do I not have that? Mm-hmm. And I want that for him so badly. And he wants it. He wants it too. Yeah. It's just he's got to find that thing for himself. I think that's important because you don't want to, and, and this this is also something that's common, people kind of coercing their partner to mm-hmm. discover that or take something on. Yeah, and I don't want him to take on the thing that he thinks I want him to do. What advice do you have for somebody who sees their partner struggling? How do you create that space and how do you nurture somebody to be on their own path of self-discovery, not guided by you? Yeah, oof. I feel like sometimes I could use that advice. I would say have the hard conversations because they need to be had. Get deep into what that person wants and do it without alcohol because I find that when Ryan and I have these deep, amazing conversations over drinks, like we just get so fired up and passionate and the next day it's kind of like crickets and it's like that conversation never really happened. Have them without substance have them where you're comfortable, but have the hard conversations. Do check-ins, do follow-ups, bring it up here and there. Find ways to gently revisit those conversations without it being a homework discussion, which I'm trying to do right now. Like, remember when we talked about school the other day? Did you find out how much it was? Like, gentle little reminders that, like, I'm still on that brainwave, I'm still thinking about these things for you. And also making it known that you're not doing this for you, you're doing it so that you can see them happy. That's important. Because mm-hmm. it's not about you and what you want. No. I mean, if he wanted to be a stay-at-home dad and, like, rear our children, like, fuck yeah, let's do it. But I know, and I know that he would happily do that as well, but I know that he... He has such an amazing like work ethic and such an amazing brain that he knows he could use that. And I want for him to find what that is. What do you want your legacy to be for your partnership? Oof. Legacy is like my thing. Like I can't I couldn't imagine like passing without a legacy. Like I need to be a trailblazer. That's like who I am. And your parents had a huge impression and left a huge um they left a legacy with you. They left a legacy. I want a legacy of like strength in our relationship and partnership and love, like never not being in love with each other. That's like so huge and always being attracted to each other and always being kind. I want people love how much Ryan and I love each other. And I never want that to fade is that we had this like very fierce love. Mm, It's beautiful. Anything else? Hmm. I think one thing that I always would give as advice to my friends and relationships is to embrace each other's differences. You don't have to have everything in common or even anything in common to have a healthy, strong relationship. 
Ryan and I literally have nothing in common. And at the same, besides that we love each other and besides that we believe in strong and valuable love and like we're very monogamous, but in our personalities, in what we enjoy in life, they can be very different. I think people are trying to find someone they have all these things in common common with. with. Yeah. You don't have to have that. I think it's a commitment to values, as you said. Yeah. And enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And all, yeah. And also it's, it can make for a more interesting relationship because you have so much to talk about and so much to share and so much to debate. Is that a mistake people are making right now when they're dating? I think so. People need to find things that, or need to find people that they have like the exact interest with. It's like, you don't need that. Are your girlfriends doing that right Yeah. Now? Because I'm the only one, for the most part, that's in a at least seri- very serious relationship. And I see my friends. I, I started dating Ryan just before the huge rise of app dating. Right. So, like, it's, it's amazing for me to watch my friends go through all this. And I'm like, oh, how do you do it? This is so hard. And I'm always trying to tell them connection is the first thing, but it doesn't have to be over common... I don't know, interest like a sport or hiking. Like you can have a deep connection with someone that you meet and you don't have to have anything in common. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's no, it just, it makes me laugh because I also didn't do the app dating and it's interesting because it adds a filter on, on, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but it's just so cool that finding a partner through a, a connection that is in person and yeah you know, and, not, and not to judge updating at all because no. of course like that's that, where life is right now absolutely yeah. um and what advice would you give those those your girlfriends I tell them I say build that connection or if you don't feel that connection right away ask yourself why what mm-hmm. are you doing wrong what are you looking for in these people are you searching because they like I don't know water sports too like that that doesn't make for a great partner yeah, not necessarily. Not at all. No, if you're not aligned on money and And like family. core value. And another huge thing is core values. And that sounds very Lululemon of me, but Brian and I actually did an exercise on core values um, a few weeks ago, which was kind of me trying to hippie and inadvertently help him find his career path. And we had a lot of the same core values. And that is what I think is, is important to me to know that my partner in life also finds that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurialism and creativity and travel, love, family, those are core values that we share together. How can you go wrong? That's, that's actually very smart. Yeah. Because those are the things that actually can terminate a relationship or have huge strife. Yes. And also, ladies, do not date a man who calls himself a Mennonist. <laughs> Get out of town. No. No. Is that a thing? That, that's a thing. Please. No. Run the other way. Please. <laughs> and warn others. And warn others. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. I'm Bettina Khan, and you've been listening to the Dirty Love Podcast. Follow us on social and please subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for listening and we look forward to you joining us again for another juicy episode.